another episode of TCDH Hangouts with the core Strike Force crew. I got a Rob Conley. Hey, hey. I got a Chris Douglas. Hey. And I am, well, you always hear who I am. I'm Jack. <laughs> yes. And we got Jack Eddie. And we got Jack, Jack, Jack Eddie. Well, that is fortunate that we got just the three of us because we have so many things to talk about. And it's uh, St. Patty's Day edition. It is uh, actually on St. Patrick's Day. I think last time we recorded it was on Super Bowl Sunday. It's kind of like That's we're right. picking the most inconvenient day of each month in order to record this stuff. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but fortunately, we got a like resident ginger in order to give us the, the St. Patty's report. Uh, Rob, I'm uh, coming in hot, uh, seeing what you can give us about the St. Patty's Day report here. Um, go get go get drunk and be merry. Or that was profound. That was profound. Mm. Yes. Don't, don't get drunk. Drink Insight, tea. insightful. Drink yeah. tea and eat biscuits. <laughs> okay. British report. Yes. Perfect. I love it. Well, fortunately, we don't have to have all kinds of clever stuff to say about uh, St. Patty's Day because we're here to talk about games mainly. I don't know. And it's we, and it's early. Yeah, early. it is early. I keep torturing yeah. people in having them on the show at like 6 o'clock in the morning and 7 o'clock in the morning. It's kind of After awful. a concert and... Oh yeah, you went to Norma Jean, right? That I did. It was fantastic. I, I don't think I've ever actually listened to any Norma Jean. What, what are we getting out of it? Um, They were the band that like to find the metalcore genre um and every album they put out is better than the last one if you're into metalcore music at all which you guys probably aren't <laughs> whoa <laughs> i mean you got you got like chris and like the hip-hop scene and um, jack you're like metallica's heavy <laughs> whoa whoa metallica is the king of heavy but uh that, yeah. Metalcore, I I guess I'm a bit rusty on my genres. You know, I, I start looking at how people have defined different music and um, because I do a lot of stuff with music. You know, you got Rook and Record and everything. Um, right. And there's like, oh, this is like stoner metal. This is slacker metal. This is trance metal. This is metalcore. This is hardcore. This is um, like hipcore. Like there are a lot of... <laughs> Subgenres upon subgenres of music. I'm like, what the hell is going on here? I I just lump this all in as metal. This is newish yeah. metal, and this is <laughs> oldish metal. The none yeah. of it has nu new metal. I, I don't really know how to define anything beyond just broad broad strokes. And some yeah. of those things are bleeding together. And I, and I got a little bit of uh, uh, background in it. I, I, you know, I got a fun story when I was, uh, I was like 13 or something like that. I visited my German relatives because on my mom's side of the family is German, right? And I'll never forget it. I played for my cousin this uh, this cult disc. You know, you might remember Firewoman, right? Uh-huh. And, yeah. and uh, I played this for them and they all laughed at me. And they started playing <laughs> this like German black metal. And that's when I was like, oh, oh, because I was like, listen to this, this rocks. And they were like, uh, and they, and it was so fast and it was so heavy. Oh man. Yeah. Don't mess. eyes open, eyes open to that day. Don't mess with the yeah. Germans when it comes to metal. Oh, I, I, I remember the first time I heard like 
European black metal, and I was just like, oh, okay. This is intense. <laughs> this guy's growling and this, talking yeah, about guy, churches. Yeah, this guy <laughs> sounds like he's going to go kill everyone. <laughs> I think that's why I love Metalocalypse so much, is it, yeah. it was so perfect as both a parody and a homage in the way yeah. that like this is spinal tap was to like seventies metal. Yeah. And, and I, I know all that. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> I love that megalocalypse. So especially me- Mecca metal metal, metalopolis. I always mess that up. It would come on during some of my other shows, but um, no, if you, especially if you got the jokes and you knew the, the, the time and the, the culture of that stuff, man. Hell yeah. So. Yeah. Good stuff. Show's awesome. Well, what have you guys been bringing to the table? That's the important question. Chris, uh, you were texting me about something the other day. Yeah. Um, well, uh, a couple weeks ago, I was somebody was talking about this Concordia game, and we were talking about this. Um, and I made a comment about it. I was like, hey, I've heard this is good. And, man, I got, like, slammed. Like, people were like, well, as it should be, or where are you at kind of uh, kind of comments. Um, and so I, I just picked it up. There was a, there was a copy at Bosco's when I was dinking around over there. And, uh, ironically, um, bearded rogue, he was, he was, he had gotten his copy the same day that I had gotten mine. And, um, and I immediately could see what was up with it. You know, the, this game, you you basically you're moving guys and ships, and 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 you're building cities in in adjacent and adjacent areas. But there's this way that you like lay these tiles out in the beginning, and it affects what is like the most valuable in that area. And there's this card play, and each player gets these specific cards, and and they're the same, and you can buy more. So there's always there's all this this mixing it up. And, uh, you know, one of the guys on the um, on the comment thread said something about no wasted moves. Right. right and I, right. I was like, yeah, right, right. Come on now. But I'm telling you, there were times in this game where I'm like, ah, well, I could, I could, I could. And then you take a second and you go through your cards and then you, you see what's available. And, man, you can like, oh, well, you know, I need coins. There's eight coins I can get. Um, you know, some cards let you grab stuff from the prefect. The prefect lets you grab stuff uh, from the, um, you know, from the top of this area board. Excuse me. And uh, and as you're moving around, there's just all these options that you can do, and everybody can kind of do everything. It's one of these things where if you're sharing a spot, you just got to pay more for it rather than like you don't get it. And um, that was interesting too because there's some there's plenty of games where it's like oh you know I can't get this spot so now I need to move on, whereas you know in, in this one you can pay a little bit more, but you can still you you can still at least incorporate this into what you want your end game strategy to be. And I'm telling you like I I dug the artwork I you know some people were talking about like the board art and stuff, whatever the gameplay is fantastic. Yeah, I love you how know, it and, looks and, and, on the table. And I it, do too. It's like a perfect efficiency of design. Like it is uh, unbelievably the the perfect German game. It, it is yeah. so oh, yeah. cool how. Everything interacts with each other system perfectly. And and as soon as you start picking up cards and you realize that not only are the, the cards that you grab extra actions, but also the points that you score at the end of the game, then all right. of a sudden you are 
bringing into consideration so many things into each decision that you make, but it's not like it's an overwhelming sense of decisions on your plate. It's, it's that everything has a, a significant impact when you do it. And so you're just more considerate of your actions rather than kind of overwhelmed by all the options at your disposal. I, I couldn't agree with you more. You know, you mentioned efficiency. Ask my wife. That's one of my big things. Um, <laughs> is is uh, I do in things life. efficiently. Yeah. Oh man. And someone was like, "Oh, you'll fall in love with it." And and I was just, man, I I was geeking hard on this one. <laughs> well, let's see. Um, there are a few things that I played. There's some things that aren't games that I've been kind of obsessing over. But let's see. Yeah. I I played. Some, of course, more Spirit Island. That's kind of like my current bay that I'm still obsessing over. Uh, <laughs> I was recording some review uh, material of that yesterday, and I, I sent Chris some some <laughs> images and stills and a little bit of video. I don't want to spoil anything uh, because oh, no. that'll be a nice surprise out there. But that one's going to be a little bit crafty when it gets to when it gets <laughs> to the internet. Um, and then I played some Ex Libris recently. That's pretty cool. I had a friend who picked that up. That was actually one of our Cardboard Herald's critical hits of 2017, and I hadn't actually played it. But the mm-hmm. other guy, uh, Luke Mensch, who will probably be on this podcast at some point in the future, he he was a huge fan of it, and I let him pick one of our uh, award show categories. And... So it was nice finally getting around to that, and I know you were a big fan of that, Chris. Um, yeah, I've so, been playing it since PAX Unplugged. Yeah, yeah. and I, I think it's it's a really cool game. I, I like organizing the shelves and kind of getting everything to line up perfectly. Like it has a organizational just beauty to it, and like a, a sense of self-satisfaction when things just line up perfectly or I can just flip over one card and all of a sudden everything comes together beautifully. Um, I'm not sure that I'm terribly good at the game, but I I enjoy the sense of building up my nice little library and looking at all the names. The the names on the book, uh, on the spines of the books, is one of my favorite things about that game. Yeah, mine um, too. Then... um, I did a review of Catacombs Conquest lately, and that's the real small box Catacombs, and that was really mm-hmm. cool. But the the new game that was probably most interesting to me was Grand Austria Hotel, which if anyone's watched the movie Grand Budapest Hotel, you know pretty much what you're getting into. But it, it, it's just this delightful, I guess, idealistic setting of this hotel in Austria where you're serving up cakes to all the guests who are coming in and you're perfectly assembling them into all the different rooms in your hotel. And of course, like any good Euro game, you're just trying to get as many points as possible through a variety of different means. And uh, for some reason, the the like government's opinion of your hotel comes into play um, and you're scoring points for not only the the prestige of your hotel, but also for uh, the actual guests within it. it. It's an interesting game. I don't know that I loved it, but it, it was definitely one of the most 
pleasant themes that I've played in a long time that was completely unlike anything else I'd ever done. <laughs> it has some of that organizational stuff going on in it, but it's it's also a little bit of a a little bit of a brain burner because uh, there are a lot of options where you feel like, oh god, if I make the wrong move right now, I'm really screwing myself over. Um, mm -hmm. There's a cool action selection mechanism to that game too, where you roll a bunch of dice and the dice correspond to different actions, but it's mm -hmm. a shared pool of actions. So it's like if I take a five, then that's going to screw over anyone else who wants to take fives this round because they'll they'll get less benefit out of it. Mm -hmm. um, and the other thing that I, I just am obsessing over that I have to talk about for a second, it's not board game related. Well, in a way, it's it's board game adjacent because it's Tolkien related. But this is this is like the nerdiest adjacent, yeah, fantastic, the, the nerdiest well endeavor that oh, I've man. ever gone on, and that that's really saying something. Is I've been listening to this podcast the Tolkien professor uh, from Signum University. And they, they have two main podcasts. Uh, the I think it's the Signum U podcast and the Tolkien podcast. And this, uh, this dude, uh, who's the president of the Signum University, which does like deep dives and seminar discussion on various literary works. And... He's also like an incredibly well-studied Tolkien scholar is going through the Lord of the Rings like pages at a time. And I'm talking about like two hours of a podcast about maybe like four pages of the Lord of the Rings. <laughs> oh, man. <laughs> so I've listened uh, to you. The, you were telling me about this. Yeah. Yeah. Like their last year and a half of material or maybe year of material. <clears throat> And we are finally getting to Brie, you know, where, where like Strider is just entering the picture in the first month. <laughs> wow. I've probably listened to, you know, 50 episodes at about two hours a piece. So, you know, you're talking about a hundred hours to get to Brie. Um, but it is so entertaining and, and, and loving and uh, enjoyable. Uh, he's very well read. He's interacting with an audience because they're recorded live. And so anytime anyone has any questions, he's interacting with them. He's bringing in a wealth of knowledge from other areas. And he does what I loved most in school, which is when teachers would kind of turn a question back on the student of like, if the student asks, what does it mean? He would turn it back. Well, what do you think it means? Like, what, what can we bring in here to help us understand? Because you know, I can have an opinion on that, but we can help talk this through together and maybe that'll change my opinion on it. And uh, it, right. it's just, he, he's a great host and it's it's just fantastic. If you are a Tolkien geek or just want to do deep dives on something, this is the way to go. The other thing I should mention is he's recording these live on Twitch, Twitter, and also in Lord of the Rings Online, the video game. Um, like he's actually has a character there and people gather inside of Lord of the Rings online. <laughs> That's <laughs> um, amazing. He's like some side street preacher. Yes, exactly. <laughs> it is kind of insane. And I won't lie. I've never really gotten into MMOs, but I'm considering getting Lord of the Rings online to just, uh, you know, maybe 
maybe hop in for a couple of the upcoming sessions. I, I played that for a while back in college, and it's not bad. I mean, I didn't have anybody to play. Like, I ended up just, like, a whole bunch of our dorm joined, and then within a week, 99% of them are gone. It was me and one other guy, but we had different <laughs> schedules, so we never played. And I was like, okay, well, I'm going to delete this now because we don't do anything. So that's how most MMOs go for me. I think but. when it went free-to-play, it got, like, super, super... Well, maybe not popular because it's not like it's outstripping WoW or anything. But when it went free yeah. to play, it <laughs> became much more stable and a, a larger mm-hmm. and more thriving user base. So I, I think it, it might be the the way for me to get into MMOs, given how much I I like Tolkien stuff. Oh, and he does field trips in the game after every episode. He's like, awesome. okay, we're going to go over to you know, uh, Dolgoldor and see what the representation <laughs> in the game is and relate that to the text that we were just reading about and how accurate or not accurate it is. And that's also insane that I'm entertaining the idea of going on field trips with the Tolkien professor in a video game. <laughs> <laughs> and dude, it's a new age, man. Right? Can, can you imagine what, like, that's what our schools are going to be like in the future, I hope. It's going to be amazing. Yeah. Ready Player One. Exactly. I Oh, man. <laughs> I just finished that book recently. Oh, yeah? Fantastic, it's good. Huh? Really good book. I can't. I hope they don't mess it up in the movie. It's, I, I've never but, read it, but I've heard lots of accolades. What What is the thing that you guys enjoyed so much about it? It does a really good job of taking pop culture references from the 80s and video games and i mean even through the 90s and stuff like that like pop culture references but especially the 80s it focuses a lot of that era um and putting it into a story where uh, do you know the gist of the story yeah, it's something like semi-dystopian or at least poor future where overpopulation is rampant or something and there's like a an alternate reality video game or like MMO platform where people are connecting via virtual reality. And yeah. then there's some contest, you know, like a Willy Wonkian yep. contest where yes, exactly. someone is going to get control of that reality or win a yeah, bunch of so, money or something. Yeah, so somebody basically, whoever finds the key or finds the the prize or whatever at the end gets his company. Perfect. And so that, that owns the whole, like, virtual reality world. And so, you know, and there's big corporations trying to get it to monetize it because it's completely free for people and education is taught in there and all that stuff but the guy who created it is obsessed with the 80s so a lot of the references and all that stuff involved with finding the prize are 80s related yeah that was Um, one of my favorite things about it was how how fluidly it took all that like because this dude was a big fan of the culture and he wanted and there's lots of twists and turns of course but he wanted he wanted the winner to kind of be in tune with him. So that's why all the references made sense. And I was like, oh, they didn't just cram them in here, shoehorn them in. They yeah. they smartly put it in here. It, it, it was, uh, I couldn't put it down. Yeah, I, I, I listened to the audiobook uh, narrated by Will Wheaton. So it's, I mean. Will Wheaton. Yeah. Will Wheaton. <laughs> so, you know, I was like, oh, 
Shut up, <laughs> Will Wheaton. <laughs> no, I, I love Will Wheaton, but we do not talk to. about Will Wheaton on this podcast because he's competition for us. <laughs> tabletop, we're in the same league as Tabletop. Yeah. Nah. Maybe he'll come on this podcast. He can yeah. come hang out. Yeah, he can us. come hang out with us. And maybe if we just talk about him enough, it'll like invoke him. He'll be summoned yeah. upon the podcast. <laughs> Somebody has the, spoken my name. Yeah, the viral <laughs> Will Wheaton video will just be like Will Wheaton, Will Wheaton, Will Wheaton, over and over and over. <laughs> like he's Beetlejuice or something. <laughs> <laughs> I was thinking Candyman, but you know, same difference. <laughs> man, I haven't thought about Candyman in forever. That's awesome. Oh, man. oh gratefully. <laughs> I am still having like I imagine. Well, I'm. I just said I haven't thought about him in forever, so obviously I'm not having recurring nightmares. But the the vivid imagery of watching that as a child, because my dad had no limits of what we'd watch whatsoever, and so like eight years old, I'm watching like Candyman and seeing the bees crawl all over and everything. Ugh. Yeah. It's good oh, stuff. I loved it. It's terrible. Have you seen Candyman, Rob? I have not, no. Perfect. Next time we get together, we know what we need to watch, and then we can just record us watching it. So that's a promise. Next time the okay. Force crew that's gets awesome. together, we can have um, a, a, a compilation video where we do little snippets of us watching Candyman, and fans, fans of the show can maybe watch Candyman and give us their thoughts. That has nothing to do with board games, but why not? <laughs> they Sorry can watch that. Candyman, record themselves, and send us snippets of their best moments, too. Candyman. Jack, I'm like you. I'm like you, man. My uh, I, I was full reign on all of that, and but my wife wasn't, so we're re-watching a lot of stuff that she wasn't allowed to watch when she was younger. And, oh, man, Candyman was a great one. One thing that I realized was awesome in it was that, that music in there, that, like, organ that organ church stuff like that and you're like whoa this is really like they really went like horror movie you know like Candyman was legit it, it holds up i thought Candyman's good stuff so beyond ready player one are there any other things that you're currently obsessing over rob um rob does not, not obsess <laughs> rob only obsess. he only delights in certain things but never an <laughs> obsession <laughs> uh not not a ton. I, I've been writing for uh, Paper Heroes a bunch. Um, not sure of the future of Paper Heroes at the moment. Yeah. But, um, yeah, that's, uh, no. I don't know. We'll see. It's, uh, in, I'm trying to figure it out with little help and. Right, right. Yeah. Without, you know, well, I think sp- moving, speaking ill of others, but... Yeah, I think moving was probably a big part of that. It's just, it, it's hard mm-hmm. to get everything going um, in yeah. different proximity. And also, like any creative endeavor, you know, interests wax and wane where people are uh, into it and sometimes they're not. And it, it's hard having a collaborative project where someone is just kind of taking the reins, but it's also something that... Uh, a couple people or a group of people mutually came up with. And so it's like, eh, do I just take this over myself or do, you know, is that a disservice to the other creative people involved? So I don't know. Yeah. I'm, I'm interested to see what happens, but I guess whatever you're writing could be paper heroes or could be whatever other projects you move on to from there. Yeah. I've also actually been writing a, uh, just a 
story, a short story maybe, in like the D&D world, or in the Paper Heroes world, I guess, but... Perfect. Just with random characters I made up, just to get some creative juices flowing and stuff. I mean, I'm no writer, <laughs> really. Like, I don't know. Like, I was okay in school and some of that, and like, writing classes, but I'm not some, like, great author or anything. I'm just, you know... Yeah, put well, boards on paper and have some something happen. All of the cardboard herald started as me going. I want to be a little bit more creative and I want to write more. So I thought I'd take a stab at writing reviews for games, and then the podcast was just going to be like the diary for writing those reviews. And I found that the more reviews I wrote, the better of a writer I got. So, huh? Funny that practice is going yeah. to actually improve your skills. So I'm actually really interested. What? To, to see what you come up with and see how you do at prose. And then I'm going to be sending it to Signum University for uh, <laughs> Professor Corey to go through and start giving me the like blow by blow and then analyze all your poetry and be like, well, this is trochaic meter, which is very Bombadilian versus uh, everything else that's in iambic. And you see, it's very interesting <laughs> how the ring poem is all in various trochies where it's very elvish in a sense, but then during the incantation, one ring to rule them all, that's all in iambic. And so that's why it seems more like a quote and an incantation by Sauron that was imprinted upon the ring. This is all the kind of stuff that I spend a lot of time thinking about these days. <laughs> Love it. Um, awesome. Yeah, I've actually <clears throat> received a copy of the adventures of Tom Bombadil, a poetry collection and have been working through it with Syrian. So I think I may have gone over the edge. It's problematic. <laughs> <laughs> it's all right. The, the other side of the edge, if that's like Lord of the Rings, Hobbit universe, you're good. You're, you're solid. Yeah. Just Tolkien land. I'm setting sail for Valinor Just, right now. It's yeah. <laughs> setting sail for Valinor would be a sweet prog rock album too. Yep. All right. Well, <laughs> let's see here. We'll uh, move on. I, I had a question for you, and yeah. only because you brought it up, and Jen also brought it up. Robo Rally. Oh yeah, yeah. Robo Rally was on here, <laughs> and you've played Robo Rally. Robo Rally was my jam in high school. So I tell me about that this, game. guys. Yeah, what's up with? I saw that on there too. What do we? What do we have with Robo Rally? So I don't know what like I've only played a newer version of it with John, who has been on your uh, interview show a couple times early on, um, once with him since high school, and it was weird because you had a board that you start out on that's yeah. separate from the actual game boards. Is your version that bo version? Uh, well, I don't have it. Another friend had it, and he brought it over. And yeah, that's one where everyone has their own program deck Little and program boards and that kind start. of stuff. Yeah, it almost looks like like BattleBots or something. Yeah, it's, it's, it's got a little bit of that, that example. Yeah. So you mm -hmm. have a deck of cards that have directions on them, like turn left or move three or U turn or whatever, and then you have your board set up. And you're trying to get from checkpoint to checkpoint. It's a race. And you have all your robots going from points to point to point using these cards. And you can turn and bump into each other and shoot each other and get different weapons and upgrades and stuff. The older version, I 
or maybe just the way we played, but I'm pretty sure it was older version because John's stuff didn't have some of the things that the older yeah, version did. Yeah, I think it was a significant um, change. Instead of having a separate board that you start on, you ha- you all start as a digital version of yourself stacked on top of each other. Okay. And then you only become a, like the actual robot when you guys end your turn on a separate spot. Huh. And so that that you know it all makes you start on the same spot, but it also allows you to like, well, you're in my way now that we're normal. I'm going to shoot you, and you know, it's not like you're not starting from separate points trying to get to certain points. Like you, you all have the same like, starting point, so you got to well, deal with that. And There's no one, you have the same obstacles to get to the point A. You know, I guess ultimately, okay. yeah. In this one, you you are still starting in the same vicinity, but you're not um not stacked up on one another. So the the other thing about this game is that it's a programming game. So you don't know what other oh. people are playing. You set up like five cards and then you all begin revealing one at a time and resolving one at a time and someone can throw you off course. Like if a robot bumps you, you move one space to the left and now your move forward is going straight into a wall or into a hole or something like that. So it's a game where you are playing a bunch of cards and praying that nothing goes horribly awry and inevitably everything (laughs) goes horribly awry. It's kind of crazy. Um, And Oh, go ahead. I was going to say, I think part of the reason I enjoyed the the other version where you start on the same spot more and I know when... Because when I played it, I played it with John and Casey and... Casey hates the game because <laughs> because the second card turn, I bumped him over a square, and I, and then he man, spent the entire game trying to loop himself back to point A, and uh-huh. John and I just finished the game, and so I think that when you're stacked on the top of each other, you have basically your first move is everybody go like basically going out without interruption. Oh yeah, 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 that makes in a lot their of sense. different directions, and then you become real, and then you go, um, you know, take your take your own direction instead of everybody trying to get down that one hallway at once, and whoever's card happens to flip first wins yeah. and throws you off your entire course. The other really interesting thing about the game, which is more like anecdotal, is that it's a Richard Garfield game, which he is the guy who created Magic: The Gathering, and I think he was pitching Robo Rally to Wizards of the Coast at the time, if I remember my gaming history correctly. And Wizards of the Coast was like, eh, we're not going to go for it. Uh, we're looking for you know some smaller game that can be played in between larger games at conventions right now. And he was like, you know, I got this other thing I've been working on. And so Magic the Gathering was the was the alternative to Robo Rally at the time, and eventually they ended up picking uh, Robo Rally up as well and printing it under the Avalon Hill line. But I, I just love the idea that there's like this cute robotic programming game was like his his A pitch, you know, the the first game <laughs> that he was like, "This is the one you want to check out," and then it's like, oh, "Okay, well, I guess I got this other thing. I don't know. It's like baseball cards, except you play with them," uh, and that ended up becoming probably the biggest game changer in tabletop gaming in the last 25 years. Um, yeah. 
So, you know, just uh, interesting cool. history. Same dude did uh, King in Tokyo. Yeah. Oh, really? And, well, and, uh, like, yeah, like you said, Game Changer, like, several other card games based off of that card game with the same concepts. And then, like, yeah, just, like, it, he be, the Magic the Gathering is, like, the Tolkien of <laughs> board games. Like, <laughs> yeah, in a way, it's everything's like based, yeah. The progenitor I guess, for an entire line there. Yeah, um, Twonky, best best piece. <laughs> okay, okay, <Yeah. laughs> okay. Um, has been my homie since I was like fourteen or thirteen. Yeah, Squashbot looks pretty cool. Yeah, Squashbot's all right. Squashbot. <laughs> Twitch, he's like a uh, Johnny Five, huh? Yeah. Got a little little bit of that Johnny Five action going on. I haven't input, thought about Johnny input. Five in a long time. Johnny input. Five is alive. Input. <laughs> All right, gaming news. Let's get into some news here. Some things coming down the pike. Uh, Mayfair Games Asthma Day is purchasing Mayfair Games or purchase Mayfair Games, and they're shutting down. Asthma Day continues to be this gigantic mega corporation consuming all the other game companies and then uh, it sounds like Mayfair is shutting down at this point uh, I got a link Ooh. from Polygon that I'll put in the show notes here In it makes me kind of sad because e- even though Asmodee had already bought Catan as a, a property you know right. Mayfair put out a lot of games that were games that hooked people on the hobby, you know, yeah. particularly Mayfair and Rio Grande, maybe even Z-Man games are kind of in that group too of yep. like the, the early two thousands, even late nineties games that really um, kind of opened the doors for a lot of modern tabletop games uh, to become the, the industry that it is. So that was just kind of sad news that Mayfair as a brand doesn't sound like it'll exist. Unlike the, the other companies that Asmodee has picked up, including Z man and plaid hat games and fantasy flight games and days of wonder. Those all will continue as existing brands from mm-hmm. what I could tell. And maybe there, there'll be more information that shakes out. Um, Mayfair is actually going to shut down its doors um, but the properties will live on. The games will live on. So that's at least good. Uh, still a little dubious of any time one company consolidates everything, but I guess that leaves more room for the the little guys to start cropping up and, and maybe yeah. becoming mid-tier guys. And then um, the only other thing that I, I saw is like a, a thing that I had to at least mention is the adorable fact that Mattel is coming out with a sequel to Uno called Dose. Uh, this is, it's not just, this is big. <laughs> <laughs> this is game changer right here. Like, well, I, what is, I need to know. I well, need to know everything it, it is thing, about this game. For one thing, it's twice as much as Uno. So, you know, twice the, <laughs> the fun, twice the take that, twice the complexity. <laughs> Take eight cards. Yeah, it's <laughs> just this is the eclipse of the Uno verse. Yeah. This is going to be the Mega Agni Kai. Oh, I, I guess that's news <laughs> that I haven't um, really mentioned. It's a little bit older, but Eclipse is getting a second edition. I don't know if I've told you that, Rob. No. Yeah, I it, haven't. 
It's uh, looking a little bit slicker. Some people are not really fans of the layout because it looks a little bit more modern. Because Eclipse looked a little janky and like it came out of like a 1980s closet or something. But oh, I loved it though. Yeah, it, it had a, a cool <laughs> look. I liked the original Eclipse, but um, I'm excited to see what they do with some of the new stuff. They've released some of the materials, and I think they're going to be kickstarting it uh, later this year. I think Colossal Games and hmm, uh, Colossal Games and, and the original Finnish publisher um, Laduplate, Laduplate, Lollapot, Lollapalooza. I don't know. I I can't Lulipot? remember. <laughs> yeah, that, that's probably it. Um, they they <laughs> are doing a joint release of this game, so I'm really interested. Anyone who doesn't know, Rob. It was my primary Agni Kai opponent, and we would loop other people in, um, particularly another friend of ours, Zeno, and play a lot of Eclipse. That's like some of my favorite gaming memories over the last five years. Yeah. And so I'm hoping that this Eclipse 2.0 is going to be pretty hot. Yeah, when, when I... Uh... When I come visit, it's, it's Agni Kai. We got a new Mizino. Yep, Agni Kai and, uh, time. I think that's a game that you'd really dig too, Chris. It, it's got oh, a, a yeah. cool. I've always seen it. I couldn't get people to get go big enough. It's so huge. like I'm, I'm looking forward you, to. We need eight people in that game. Let's do it. <laughs> Let's do it. That would be epic. Yeah, the the cool thing about it is unlike something like Twilight Imperium, which has diplomacy and it has war um and it has also like resource consolidation that kind of stuff and progression i think that the main thing in eclipse is the research development um industrial side of the game where you're actually looking at uh efficiencies of managing various resources in a very euro game type of way and war and battling is a prominent feature of the game, but takes a slight backseat to that in a very Eclipse-style way. It's very different than Eclipse as far as like the, the combat, but in the same way that Eclipse is like, oh, this is a Euro game with combat. Well, let me take that back. In the way that Scythe, that's the, the comparison that I'm trying okay. to make here. I think I, I'm in the morning saying Eclipse is like Eclipse, yeah, <laughs> Eclipse is like Scythe in that um, in that the, it's like a Euro game that has some combat elements to it. It just so happens that Eclipse also has exploration in it, and it has uh, tech trees that you're developing, and also a cool sci-fi setting that looks like straight out of some '80s anime, even though it's not an anime visual style. Like the the world and setting is very much that, or maybe even mass effecty in a way it's very cool stuff yeah fun real fun you had me at long. mass effecty it's long yeah but it's fun it can be long yeah. it can't well i mean we've played some long games and with just three of us i don't think it's like game of thrones second edition long though oh no 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 yeah. no no nothing is that 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 game is <laughs> you get me like an hour before it ends and i'm done playing yeah <laughs> like, i don't care who wins i'm just trying to make sure someone doesn't win at that point <laughs> Oh, man. Um, I just have to say, uh, RIP Mayfair Games, I still got the Settlers of Catan box with the Mayfair logo on it, so I can 
keep that in my heart. Yep, lord it over everyone. Be like, um, this is a collector's edition per se. Right, this right. is an so old. You want to play Catan? You mean <laughs> Settlers of Catan? Yeah, <laughs> that that was so weird when they changed the branding to Catan or Catan. Yeah. And the funny thing is, is that I always called it Settlers. Like that Me was too. the prominent yeah, thing. Exactly. I'd be like, hey man, you want to play some Settlers? You want to play right. some Settlers? Let's play some Settlers. And when they were like, all right, we are now shortening the name to Catan. It's like, I, want, I, I never call it Catan. Who, you want right to play some Catan? No, it would be, you want to play some Settlers. Um, but I guess just a different cultures. I, I don't know. Weird. Because when we were playing it back then, it was like, I'm going to place a settlement. Now it's like, I'm building a house. I'm building a city. I'm building a house. I'm building a city. This millennial no, house. we're settling. Okay, yeah. we're settling here. We Big are colonialists. Difference. We are going to pillage this <laughs> land. We are going to find any indigenous peoples here, and we're going to put them to work in our farms. And this is going down a dark path here. Yeah, um, we're going. But to- sheep. There's yeah. a lot of sheep. Gotta yeah. get the sheep. <laughs> All right. Almost going archipelago there, Jack. Almost there with the <laughs> rebel meter. You got some notes on your Google Doc here. What's going on with these upcoming games you're thirsty for? I, I love your language use here. <laughs> yeah. It's not just that you're thirsty. waiting. It's that you're like, mm, I'm so parched for games. I'm thirsty I, I, for these. And, <laughs> and there's the thirst level. It's not the just like, yeah, there's thirst levels. Level of thirstiness. Yes, yes. Well, you know, first of all, we've been playing a lot of the Century Spice Road. It's great for like one in the morning or a quick one to get in. Um, and uh, they're supposed to, the second game of that series, Eastern Wonders, is going to be uh, coming out. And um, it's supposed to be all of the there's supposed to be three of them that you're supposed to be able to integrate um, together, apparently. So uh, uh, that up to the thirst level a little bit. And loving uh, the original Spice Road game, yeah, I totally gave it an 8 out of 10 on the thirst level. Um, another one is Indian Summer. Uh, this was a, this is, a, I think, I believe it's a UA Rosenberg game, I'm pretty sure. Um, and it's the follow-up to Cottage Garden. I never played Cottage Garden, but I see the, uh, uh, the tile placement, and I've seen some reviews and chatted with some guys online about it. So we're at about a 6 there. Uh, Maybe if I had to play the, the first one. It would have been a little up, but I'm going to check all, both of them out anyway. Um, and I, we've been looking at some stuff on Suburbia Inc. Jack, you might you might have you might even have you been rocking the Suburbia Inc. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So that's with the borders, right? Right, right. Sub- Suburbia is awesome. Yeah. yeah. Oh man, I've been seeing <laughs> stuff on the borders and how it kind of opens the game up. High nine out of ten thirst level on this one. I gotta find this one. When Dude, I saw go, how it go drink that game. Oh man, I couldn't see. I mean, just even watching reviews, I was like, I don't even want to play the original. Yeah, Suburbia. Suburbia. Do you like PowerPoint. Yeah. Well, it sounds. <laughs> it sounds like. Uh, like you've already played a bunch of Suburbia, which is great because yes. that's one of my favorite games. Yeah, and Suburbia Inc. Yeah. having the borders that um, that uh, kind of give shape to your city gives it so much uh, thematic, but also mechanical personality. Like it, yeah. it, it's awesome being like, oh, well, I'm just going to have the military base on the side here, and not only does that have a lot of implications for the rest of your building, but also uh, you're, you're thinking a little bit more about what actually is my city here. Right. That, that, that's very cool. Um, it, it's a subtle thing to implement thematically, but it, it makes a big impact in actually thinking beyond this, just being a collection of abstract tiles, which is very cool. 
and the expansion itself having the the freedom to put these gigantic mega tiles in play is great but it also starts becoming restrictions on where you can start placing because now you have kind of like a big roadblock literally in the way of the rest of your tiles so you got to get a right. little strategic but you can also branch off from them so you start getting these very unique shapes that are completely different than what other players are doing and that to me is really cool instead of being the same overall kind of blobby shape that your cities are at the end of suburbia as a base game adding these borders really kind of makes cities more dynamic in their look and the the strategic placement of them so yeah totally uh, i 100 percent will always play suburbia with the Suburbia Inc. expansion in there. Maybe for a learner, like someone, if they were just like new to games and they didn't want something too complex, I might leave it out. But even then, mm -hmm. if I it mean, were, were anyone used to playing games, I, I would just always include it. I didn't even know it was a separate thing until way later. Like when we played, I, I just thought it was part of the game until like... Later, I saw something else that was mentioned, and I was like, I thought those were just part of the game. But I think the last time we played Christina's, uh, well, last time I played with you guys, I mean, you probably played it since then, but um, Christina's town, like, took this diagonal, like, tunnel situation. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> she had two, like, close... And she had to, like, build between it to move her city. Like, it just totally, yeah, like you said, changes up the flow of your city. And it's it doesn't end up just being this, like, blob. Like, yeah. yeah it's just... Well, we thought, we thought that, you know, oh, you can put the starting board on the bottom or the top. And we were like, we thought that was cool. And yeah. I'm like, oh, when I saw this, I was like, oh, my God, they blew it out of the water here with that. And so I was, yeah, definite 9 out of 10 on the thirst level for this one. I'm wondering what's yeah. going to make a 10 out of 10 on the thirst level. We'll have to see. You know, it's got to be perfect, though. You know, for getting, perfect, <laughs> getting perfect scores with me is a tough one. So. But it's a, a perfect anticipation score. That's the thing. It's yes. Like, this isn't a review. This is an anticipation. So what what is it that is right. going to be so tantalizing that you have to have it to the point that it's a 10 out of 10? It's like you would literally like put yourself in a comatose state in order to make the time pass faster <laughs> until you can get that game to the table. Um, we'll see. We'll see down the road. Okay. Um, Listeners yeah. be on the lookout for the thirst scale 10 out of 10. Eventually, you know, serious business is happening when that challenge accepted, challenge accepted. Um, the the other thing that we had put on here was kind of an interesting thing. It was like a, a little bit of game drama, which was leader games canceling oh, deep. Yeah. And yeah. the designer of Root uh, was claiming, or, or no, 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 no. Uh, the designer of uh, Deep was claiming that Root had plagiarized some of Deep, um, yeah. which is a hell of a thing to say aloud because there's no... There's no copywriting game mechanics, and there are copying themes. You know, you you can you can crib all kinds of things from different games, but like to say like outright, my development of this game directly informed this other game that the the 
company was making, and then they dropped my game, and so now I'm pissed off because the the um, essentially all of my hard work was just dropped and utilized in something else, and now they're going to keep all of the thematic elements, and I'm just left with a mechanical shell. And it, it sounded like a lot of people were pissed off on different ends of this, but in a very public forum. And yeah. it was just kind of crazy to see, but I think it's also really important for designers, uh, for for the little guys uh, out there, the the new designers of the world, to see what, I guess code of conduct is like in this space what uh some of the potential risks of working with publishers are and for publishers to see what some of the potential risks of dealing with designers are i'm not saying that anyone's a good or bad guy in this situation i I honestly think that in a small company ideas are just going to kind of meld into one another and I don't think that there's any legal ramifications for any aspect of this but I I do think that there's room for a lot of hurt feelings and unfortunately it just kind of all came out online Um, as a result I did end up talking with Samuel Bailey the designer of Deep uh, for the podcast which is going to be an upcoming podcast in a couple days and we, we talk about some of this and I frame it in such a way that you know, like I, I don't have Patrick Leader of Leader Games on here. Mm-hmm. He's been on the podcast in the past. I, I enjoyed talking with him. He was a real nice guy. He was gracious enough to come on when we were like really, really small potatoes. But, mm-hmm. um, you know, from his perspective, why is he feeling so burnt about this? Because publishers um, drop games all the time. And, you know, games influence games, influence games, and there there's no copywriting the mechanisms within the games themselves. And we had a conversation about some of this, and I, I don't know that I'm convinced that uh, that his side is is on the the side of justice and mm-hmm. like uh, the anything nefarious is going on otherwise. And I think we tried removing it from the the person the the personality the individuals at play and kind of kept it more as you know just what are the the events and where does this leave you what are you doing going forward because I want to remain respectful to everyone involved again I didn't have everyone uh, to have both sides of the story but it's still fascinating to me to see um, I guess a debacle shape out and yeah. just um, I, I think it brings up a lot of questions and may inform some designers to ask some more questions of their own publishers about what are going to be the rights that I have to this game. If you decide not to publish it, you know, you've signed it. What happens if you don't publish it? And do we have that in a contract form? And, um, I I guess other people's misfortune can be, um, great lessons to be learned from. And so I, I hope everyone goes out and looks at this and comes to their own conclusions on what, what information is to be gleaned, but it was sad, but also interesting. 
It was some hot goss. That's what it was. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> well, there's something to be said for perception, you know, because I, I felt like throughout it, it was kind of like, okay, so you're thinking this and you're thinking this and you're thinking this is okay. And everybody's judging by their own kind of set of, of standards and character and, and no judgment on character. But, you know, there's some interesting things when it's like, oh, yeah, well, we were working on this and, and I can see – you know, like one of the things he was saying was, you know, seeing the threads of deep throughout it. Like, I could see that. You mentioned hurt feelings, Jack. Like, you know, that is tough. Clear expectations right off the bat. Protect your stuff. Protect your property, you know, even if it's intellectual. Totally. Yeah. Yeah. Well, let's, let's talk about what we got going on. What, what kind of projects we got going? Well, first off, the biggest project, Chris, since the last time we talked, you had a baby. Congratulations. Yep. Kira Rose That's Douglas. A whopping 10 pounds. Uh, when we tell people that, um, they're like, their eyes go wide. And then they were, we're like, well, it was a C-section. And they're like, oh, oh okay. I'm like, well, yeah. <laughs> 10 pounds and early, right? Yeah, 10 pounds, yeah, 12 ounces <laughs> at three weeks early. Yeah, she's still in the hospital. They're weaning her off of the feeding tube, and that's it. So we've had a little bit of time to, you know, work on packaging stuff, packaging stuff up and, uh, you know, getting stuff ready for garage sales, et cetera. Um, so it's been a little bit crazy. We're going back and forth to the hospital all the time, late nights, early mornings, but Hey, at least we're getting used to it now. Right. And, um, I've been working on a lot of musical content in the meantime too. you know, some of the stuff we were talking about a few months ago, um, that I was talking about with you guys, I took some of your guys advice and, and I felt like it stepped my game up a little bit. Um, I even have been uh, messaging with uh, Eric Street. Shout out to Eric Street at Eric Street on Twitter. He's talked about even he was even committing to doing uh, um, artwork for the Death Force project. So uh, Brad. Uh, he's a huge anime fan too, Gundam fan. Yeah, I see uh, actually, those Gundams all yeah, the time. Yeah, I, I, I like those and stuff. And, well, yeah. and and he, you know, I joined the Gunpla group, and uh, it's funny because I have like five or six that I built in the past, and and I told him, man, you're going to get me back into this. The whole idea of like getting multiple sets and throwing stuff together, uh, and kind of making your own custom custom deal. Uh, so I, I told him, like, yeah, you you got me back into this, dude. So uh, he's going to be he's great. He's going to be fantastic with the the Death Force project. Some of the stuff I've already seen with his artwork is going to fit like perfectly. It's exactly what I'm looking for. You know, similar minds, similar thinking too. And um, I've also been writing some you know practice article stuff about the links between gaming and mental health. And and I was thinking about getting something just discussions going on to you know hear what people are saying. Um, Jack, I think it was like um, one of your last reviews or something like that, and you had the Q and A going afterwards, uh-huh. and there yeah. was some really neat comments, and there was some there was some there was some cool uh, uh, cool feedback on there, and you know I'd like to get people thinking about that po- uh, poking people's minds on the internet, um, but that's really all I got going on. We're gearing up for a move. We're trying to move from Alaska to Arizona. Of course, people's eyes go wide. You're like, oh, you're moving to the desert, and we're like, yeah, we are. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> yeah. After this Definitely. winter in Alaska, I, I want to move to the desert. It has been yeah. horrible. This, yeah, I, it was a rough miserable. One. I'm so glad I got out when I did. <laughs> Just <laughs> <laughs> seeing everybody's posts and like about it i'm like oh goodness i i would not have handled it well <laughs> what do you got going on rob uh just working on production stuff um not much i i 
recorded a song for a friend, like a parody song. Um, he we got a regular fan. old Weird Al over here. Yeah, well, he he's a huge fan of another podcast, and um, that podcast is one of those like we just try to be as offensive as we can to everyone. Podcasts, perfect. And so, nice. um, we he took a rather explicit song and made it basically about that podcast. So recorded that and been working on that a bit, but mostly just uh, trying to trying to get some clients so I get paid. Nice. <laughs> yeah. Um, and then you're writing stuff for Paper Heroes right now. Writing stuff for Paper Heroes. I, um, I busted out Weave not too long ago just by myself to just get the hang of using it again. Mm-hmm. And, uh, and it's, it's cool. Cool concept. I like the idea. I'm excited to like play in that, like, you know, GM role with other people. So, which hopefully happens soon. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, you could do it local or we could see if we could do something online. I mean, the, not that I have to be a part of it, but the weave seems cool in one of those things that kind of is in the hovering space between board game and role playing game. I mean, not that there's a, a board or anything, but the the oeuvre of it feels very much like um, the the design of a card game or something as a very base level RPG in order to introduce people into just collaborative storytelling which seems cool yeah. to me. Yeah, I I think it's a good um a good step yeah, into especially if you're like you're new to RPG, maybe you're coming from board game or Magic the Gathering or some kind of card game or something like that to an RPG being able to say here's a card you do this thing with your phone and it'll give you information. You don't have to come up with it all on your own. As a you know GM, you don't have to come up with the whole thing on your own. You just mm-hmm. put it all in there, and then mm-hmm. it does a lot of the work for you. And then you just kind of come up with the in betweens, the story element, and yeah, seems like a good uh, like in between version of like a full R D and D RPG or it's a good system. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Well, the thing saying, as always, TCBH is in full swing over here. That's the main creative endeavor. That's the main consuming all my life that isn't family or employment or actually playing games and maybe even is consuming playing games these days. (laughs) Uh, I've mentioned it a few times, but I should have uh, a Patreon announcement soon. I've actually set it all up, but I'm just recording the video. Uh, Part of that is like a montage video of... Um, some of the highlights of TCBH thus far. And it's kind of cool going back and seeing the milestones and accomplishments that uh, this thing has been able to have. Like being able to be like, oh, here's an interview with Reinar Knizia. Here's Bruno Catala. Here's Jamie Stegmaier. Or then going like, here was my first video and how crappy it looked. And then some of the like angles and shots and and technical improvements that I've made in recent videos or like 
here's rook and records that I've done it at conventions in the middle of the forest at the Nugget Falls at uh, the Mendenhall Glacier, you know, like all kinds of different things that to me don't feel significant at the time, but as a summary, as a collection of like, oh shit, all this happened in a year and a half uh, is kind of cool to to go back to. Uh, right. the, the other thing that I've kind of introduced because I need more things to do as part of TCBH is this uh, <laughs> newsletter uh, that I created. And I encourage everyone to go subscribe to this newsletter. I'm trying to make it unlike most other newsletters that you might receive. Yeah, it does have updates about what's going on here, but this is kind of like uh, first and foremost my my little uh, blog post about just how things are going at um, Cardboard Herald in general, usually about a paragraph or two on that. And then I have uh, some other hosts and contributors and reviewers who are writing up board game strategies. So like we've had Terraforming Mars on there. We've had Santorini on there. Just like here are a couple quick tips for board game strategies. And then we've also had designers contribute uh, designer wisdom so, you know, just little uh, anecdotes or, you know, quick, simple, actionable things that have made improvements in their ability to design. And I, I think these things give inherent value to the newsletter other than just being a great way of consolidating everything else because that's what I need is a platform to consolidate, hey, this last month, Here's all the crap that we did. Here's all the podcasts, all the videos, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera, um, with links to everything. So that way you, the person who may only listen to the podcast, have a list of the videos that we made or the written work that we did, that kind of thing. Um, reviews, I did uh, Catacombs Conquest is up. There's some new Rook and Records up. There's um, uh, Catacombs Wyverns of Wildmere. Uh, an expansion to both basic catacombs and then catacombs and castles. Uh, and then I will have a review of the Wind Gambit, the expansion to Scythe up on Monday. So two days from now, recording time, uh, depending on whenever we actually get this podcast uh, up, it may already be up there. And then as I mentioned, I got the Spirit Island um, review coming up. And then the other big thing, uh, this is, <laughs> you guys will appreciate this. So, I did the, the Dragon Dice review, right? And Dragon Dice is this game from 1995, and I thought no one would be interested in this review. And it turned out that it was, I think, our third most watched video. Um, <laughs> and it, uh, I mean, we have a lot of videos that are like 50 views or 60 views, uh, but we have a few that are in the thousands, and Dragon Dice was like, it skyrocketed in attention. And some of that may be how it was marketed. Like I put it on Reddit as like the surest way to um, gain more followers for your YouTube channel is to review the latest and hottest games. So here's a review of Dragon Dice from 1995. <laughs> um, and so maybe people checked it out because of that. Um, but uh, it, it actually got a lot of great feedback and a lot of people really interested in talking about the game. People had played nice. it before. People who were like, what is this old game? It's still in production. Um, but there was someone named Dylan who commented on the video and was like, OMG, Dragon Dice is so cool. 
and then commented again and was like, where can I get Dragon Dice? And then commented again and was like, what are all the different races? And then commented again and was like, <laughs> oh, there are goblins. I want to do goblins. Can you do a review video of just goblins? And at this point, I like, I, I responded and I was like, dude, I'm really appreciative of how enthusiastic you are. But, you know, since we're corresponding at this point, why don't, why don't you just shoot me an email? And so he shoots me an email. Um, oh, I know what he was like. I got two goblins. Like he, he replied one day with, I got two goblins. Um, and I was like, you got two goblin packs? Like you got two groups of goblins? Uh, shoot me an email. And he, the response I got was, no, I got two dice. And I was like, okay. <laughs> um, you know, I, I'm really fascinated to, to learn about, you know, who this uh, gamer is who's really enthusiastic about this. You know, what, what's, uh, what are you all about? How old are you? Um, turns out Dylan is a 12-year-old in Colorado uh, who may be me from the past emailing me now. <laughs> I, I'm not sure no uh, because he was like, I'm 12 years old. I live in Colorado. I have a very small uh, Warhammer army, and I love Magic the Gathering, and I love playing goblins. I was like, Dylan, you are amazing. <laughs> and um, so I don't think I'm going to strike lightning twice or have lightning strike twice, however the phrase goes, and uh, manage to get a lot of viewers on this. But I was like, you know what? No one's making Dragon Dice content, and if someone is that enthusiastic, even if they are just one single 12-year-old in Colorado, I'm making a goblin-only video. And I did. It's pretty much done at this point. I'll have it up in maybe a week or two. And the funny thing is, is it is probably the best video I have recorded for anything <laughs> at this point. Like, it is me at my most charismatic. It is uh, technically um, utilizes a, a lot more lighting techniques that I've been working on, and it's very concise. It's fun. It's I, I think it's funny, and uh, it's well written, well scripted. And I'm like, damn, this is kind of a waste, but at the same time, kind of <laughs> awesome. So uh, that that's the creative stuff that I have going on. Um, I think I think that like you get excited when other people get excited. So I think that like that just shows that more people need to be excited about the cardboard Herald. Yeah, I guess. Or, you know, <laughs> convinces people that if you yeah. comment a lot of my videos, I'll make you your own personal custom video. <laughs> <laughs> Probably. And it'll be the best ever. Yeah. Or, you know, I guess there's something to be said for Dragon Dice is a game that I, I can't, unequivocally say that people should play it. it it's you know it's got its issues but i have a huge affinity for the game and i've loved it since it came out in 1995 when i was a little kid um but the the dragon dice player base i think has a lot of the same feelings and they they enjoy the game even if they don't play the game that much and so i think if they are starved for videos maybe maybe i'll just have a niche community i'll be the dragon dice guy <laughs> yeah yeah i remember dragon dice from like high school and i, I uh, even have a dragon oh. die right here just sitting next Why to not? a goblin 
a goblin. A goblin. <laughs> wow, it was meant to be. Yeah, yeah no, I, I love that game. That was a lot of fun. I remember playing that back in the day. All right, guys. Well, anything else? Any uh, other hot creative projects? Anything on the horizon that you want to look out for? I'm hearing crickets <laughs> out there and smacking uh, of lips. Oh, I, I can't. <laughs> I can tell you one thing. I was recording a video last night. My dog ended up coming downstairs and making a bunch of noise. And this is Bastion. This is our puppy. Um, I guess he's a year old now. Um, the cat was making noise. And the, and we were trying to do something as a group. It required three people to be there. right? And I needed silence. And then the cat starts making noise. And it's like, oh, my God, cat. <laughs> I push the cat away and then wait for the cat to go. And then the dog comes down. I'm like, dog, just just sit. And he sits down and then lets out an audible fart. And it's like <laughs> as we're trying to as we're trying to get everything perfect for this like one 20 second delivery here and just we're all <laughs> trying to get contained and waiting patiently for everything. That was the icing on the cake. And it's recorded. I have it. I have the audible <laughs> for it and our reaction to that. And so maybe in that Q&A follow-up video for the Spirit Island review, uh, I'll bless the world with that. <laughs> with some Bastion fart. Yeah. You don't see the dog. You just see me and a couple people behind me. And I'm like, just, dog, just sit. And then it's like, sit. And then just a little like, like oh, dude. Dude, dog. <laughs> <laughs> all right well good times for hanging out with me guys and thanks everyone in the audience for hanging out i hope that you guys enjoy this give us some feedback i know this is like by far our most niche podcast and in a way it's my excuse to hang out with some of my favorite people in the world <laughs> and i hope at least a few of you out there enjoy hanging out with us talking about board games talking about video games talking about dog farts talking about tolkien you know, yeah. all the best stuff. Yeah. Uh, hit a, hit, we'll hit Jack up on uh, p- tw- on Twitter. Oh, yeah, everything. yeah. Yeah, yeah well, hit, and, hit all of us up on Twitter. And yeah. So um, you can find Rob at, what, GCAT Productions on Twitter? What's the actual handle? I just know you as Ginger Cat at this point. Yeah, um, I don't. I don't know the actual handle. I think it's just GCAT Production. This is how uh, professional we are. In, in the meantime, CD Elite yeah, G- One is Chris. Yep, CD Elite One. Cardboard Herald yeah. is Jack. GCAT underscore Production. There we go. GCAT yeah. underscore Production. I was missing the underscore. It's because yeah. to me, everything is in overscore about you i don't know i was going somewhere <laughs> with that and i was going like give one of those like coach compliments like you know little league coach dad like yeah to me everything you do is a home run son even <laughs> if you can never hit a ball um yeah. <laughs> you struck out great kid. yeah exactly <laughs> you may have struck out but as far as being a great son you hit a home run i love you i love you dad <laughs> oh daddy yeah oh, okay I, I think it, clearly we all need more sleep or more coffee so i'm signing off now thank you guys for the podcast i've been jack i'm still rob this is chris and we've been hanging out <laughs>